0: Second Peter chapter number 3, verse number 1. If you're there, say amen. The Bible says, This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both, which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. Paul said, hey, there's some things you can look back on and say thank the Lord for. Amen. I'm glad for the, the past that God delivered me from, but I'm also glad for the past of my Christian life. Amen. I can look back as a young Christian and watch where God was faithful. Look at verse number 2, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles, of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust. How many of us could agree? We're there, amen. Uh, we're not waiting for that to happen. It's taking place, amen. And saying, where is the promise of his, where is, where is the Lord? That thought you said he was coming back. What's he waiting on? For since their fathers fell asleep, and all these things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they are willingly are for this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world then uh, that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. But the heavens and the earth which are now, by the same word, are kept in store, reserved in the fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and as a thousand years as one day. Now that verse does not stand nor does it uh, uh, give us the right to, to, to hold it uh, in, in the sense of Genesis and say, well, there was a thousand years between day one and day two of creation. And here's the thing this morning, you can never take evolution and fit it into your Bible. It don't fit, amen. It just—it was—it was literal seven days, twenty-four hour days. Amen. Well, preacher, that's just impossible. Not if you're God. Right. <laughs> I, I, listen, I don't want a God I can completely figure out, because if I can figure him out, he ain't much. Amen. But notice here in verse number nine, verse number eight, verse number nine, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, word, not willing that any should perish but that I all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought we to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God? wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we according to his promise look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Here's the thing, if all you have is treasure in this world, one day you're gonna lose it. It's gonna all be gone. As a born again believer, I disagree with the Jehovah, I'm not trying to inherit this place. I'm looking for a new heaven and a new earth, amen. Why? that's where the Lord is. In the account that the long-suffering of our, our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things which, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to him be both, uh, to Him be glory both now and forever. Preacher, I'm gonna wait to hell. I'm gonna shout it out in heaven, preacher. I'm gonna tell him how thankful I am. Preacher, I'm gonna worship him. I'm gonna pray. I can't wait. Well, you don't have to. You can enjoy it now, amen both now and forever, amen. Let's pray. The Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again for this this morning, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the wonderful song service. Thank you, Lord, for our choir. Lord, thank you for uh, people that, Lord, are willing to use their talents, God, to help us worship you, God, to prepare our hearts to, to hear the word of God this morning, Lord. I understand, Lord, it's not a requirement. God, it's not a necessity to go to church and to have a choir, but, Lord, it sure does help, and I'm grateful for it this, this morning. Lord, thank you for the special singing. And Lord, I ask you, Lord, this morning, as we listen to that first song, God, is there a place in our heart? God, that you've been dealing with us about, but we don't want to deal with it. And Lord, we know that we won't go no further. We won't make no advancement, Lord, until we get those things right. And Lord, we're thankful, Lord, this morning, God, that you're a God that cares and is compassionate towards us. And Lord, that you will let us ride out the storm with you. And God, it ain't nothing we do. We don't flap our arms, Lord. We don't hold on. Lord, it's you holding on to us. And I ask you, Lord, this morning, God, as we get into our vision Sunday this year, Lord, I'm thankful... Uh, Lord, that Lord you are not a God who just expects us to bumble through life, or to fumble from one place to the next and bounce off from here to there, but Lord, you give us a vision. Lord, you said in your word that where there is no vision, the people perish. Or thank you, Lord, for a book. Thank you, Lord, for your word. God it not just it soothes our soul, it calms our fears, it challenges our complacency, but God it gives us clear guidance. We ask you, Lord, this morning that you help us as a church. God, to realize, Lord, that you're wanting to do something in our church in each and each in every life that is in our church here this morning. We love, we pray for those, God, who couldn't be here this morning. God, for different reasons, for different circumstances. God, go where they are this morning. And God, remind them, Lord, exactly how much you love them and how much you care for them. We love you, we thank you, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, Vision Sunday here is it's, it's something new uh that we've started since I've been the pastor here and it's I wish I could say that I was a super spiritual man and I was sitting in my office and and it just dawned on me that I should have a vision Sunday. And I think it'd be a great idea for the church and help everybody out. But to be honest with you, well preacher where'd you get the idea from? I I was reading after some men who are pastoring great churches here in America and it's something they all did. It was something that they all all all, all did within their churches and, and they did it different ways and whatnot. And I think it's a wonderful idea uh to sit down and say, all right, this year Here's what we're gonna focus on. This year, here's what our, where our emphasis is gonna be, and, and here's uh, what we're gonna to strive to do for the Lord. Now, the past few years, I, I felt as if it was, all right, Lord, give me the vision, Lord, give me the idea, give me the avenue we're gonna go down, and I'll do my best to get everybody else on board, right? And Lord, help me to get everybody else on board, and, and not to say no, nobody's fought me over it, and nobody said, ah, preacher, I don't think that's the vision for this year, but in the sense that it's one of those like, all right, it's got to come for me, and I've got to give it to y'all, and we've all got to get on board with it. And it's helped, and God's blessed, it, and God's used it. And we're grateful for it. But this year it was a little different. This year I was praying, Lord, what 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 do you want us to do this year? What's our what's our theme for this year? And and listen, I'm not really good on cliches. I'm not really good on those those uh, those fancy sayings. I was gonna I was gonna say, well, if it's meant to be in 2023, then it's up to you and me but then I'd be copying the high school, amen. That's what's on their sign over there. And I'm not good at those things where you try to rhyme the number with the saying and and all I could get was you and me in 2023. And I said, that is not of the Lord. And that's not what, I don't think that's what he wants. But normally it was one of those where God just gave it and and we went with it and and God's blessed it and God's used it. I, I can honestly sit back and say in four years, I'm amazed at what God has done here at South Haven Baptist Church. Right, God has God has blessed us and God has used us in a mighty way, not just in our own community, not just within our own church family, but God's allowed us to influence and be a part in, around the globe and, and all that kind of stuff. And it's amazing to see. And so I was saying, Lord, what do you want us to do this year? What is, what is the theme for 2023? And I was just coming into church after the new year and just listening to people talk. And it's as if we all sat down separately and said, here's what I'm gonna do, here's my goal for 2023. And we didn't communicate one with another, we didn't call each other and say, hey, what's your goal this year? And what are you striving to do this year? And how are you gonna do that? No, we just came into church and we was talking about what we're gonna do. There's been a general theme, and we've seen it play out in not just one person's life or one family, but it seemed like it's been the census of our church this year already, and this is idea that I'm going to grow. I'm going to grow. I'm I'm going to grow in the Lord. So here's the vision for 2023. Listen, it's it's about to knock your socks off. Ready? Growing. (laughs) Growing. Look at verse number 18. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever Hey, man, we, we, we've talked about it on Wednesday night. Wisdom, Lord, I need wisdom. And, and folks have been telling me, preacher. I'm reading books and I, I'm studying my Bible and I'm getting serious about it. The men's Sunday school class was talking about, and I haven't been in there, I just heard it. They've been talking about memorizing scripture and getting back to that. And, and we've just had this desire to grow. And so it's one of those, I don't have to go find something. I might as well just listen to what's already going on and pay attention and, and be discerning. And say, all right, Lord, we're gonna grow. We're going to grow this year. And and we say that in a general sense, right? We sing the song. Well, how do you grow, preacher? Well, you read your Bible and you pray every day. And you'll grow, 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 right? Wonderful kids' song. But sometimes life has a way of getting in that process. Life has a way of distracting us and and getting us sidetracked. But here my heart this morning is to grow. And we see right here that Peter, as he's writing this this, uh, epistle to these people, and to God's people, how, I mean, you go read through Second Peter, it's not the easiest stuff to read. In essence, he, I mean, it starts off, add to your faith, this, that, and the other. And then right there in the middle, he just lays down some truth. He just, in essence, he said, here's the water, you hold it. You figure out what to do with this. But then he says, at, at the end of all this, Peter said, here's my desire that you'd grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ. Well, in that sense, well, what, do that, what does that mean to grow in grace and to grow in knowledge? Well, if we were to say this morning, preacher, I'm gonna grow, well, how am I gonna grow? Well, I'm gonna grow in grace. Well, what does that mean, preacher? I'm gonna grow in my understanding and in my knowledge in the sense of what I have in Christ. What I have in Christ or who I am in Christ. What do I all have in Christ? And you were to say this, morning, well, preacher, what is if I were to ask, what does it mean to be saved? What does it mean to possess and to have dwelling and abiding inside of you the very God of heaven? When's the last time you just did inventory and said, you know what, what all do I have inside of me? Who in all that Christ is, what do I do with all that I have? And I know I've got grace and I know I've got mercy and forgiveness and righteousness and justification and sanctification and all those other big, I preach, I know i got all that, but what do you do with that? See, that's where growing comes in. That's where growing comes in. You not only know what you have, but then you know what to do with it. What does that look like in my life? What does grace look like? Not in the preacher's life and not in my Sunday school teacher's life and not in the choir's life, but what does that look like in my life? How does that play out on the personal level? And then how do I take all of that and how do I apply that in my life? How do I take God's grace after salvation and apply that in my life? How do I take the thought that I am completely and totally justified in the Lord? I'm already seated in heavenly places. I'm already as if, it's as if I'm already, how does that change my day-to-day life? That's where growth comes in. It's one thing to know something, it's completely different to know what to do with that something. And so we're looking at to grow in grace this morning. Then he said to grow in knowledge. Well, not just any knowledge, but the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this morning, what do you know about Jesus? What do you know about the Lord? Do you know who he is? Do you know what he's done? And oftentimes when we're asked what do you know about Jesus? You ask that to children. They can give you the factual information. Right? Well, he's the son of God. He died on the cross of Calvary. He rose again the third day. He was was the, the preacher of preachers. He had 12 men that followed him that were disciples. And we can give the factual information. Right? There's nothing wrong with that. But do you know him? Right? Do you know him. See, my, my wife's birthday is in just a couple days. And a matter of fact, it's, it's Saturday of this week and I can give you a lot of information about her. right? I can tell you when her birthday is. I can tell you what her phone number is. I can tell you where she was born at. I can tell you how she spells her name. And I can give you a lot of information, but can I say I know her on a completely different level that is far more than just factual information. I know her likes and dislikes. I know how, what she desires and what her dreams are and what her goals are, not just for herself, but for me and for our family. And so we're gonna see here this morning that when we grow in knowledge, I'm not saying that you gotta come become a bookworm. Now, it ain't gonna hurt you to read the Bible and to study out and understand the information, but what are you gonna do with it? How are you gonna imp- how's that gonna impact your life? My heart's desire for even myself cheers the Lord helped me understand far better than what I already know who you really are. I want to know your heart. I want to know your thoughts. God, I want to know your desires for my life. Getting a biblical understanding of who the Lord is and then allowing that to shape us and change us. I guarantee you this morning if you grew in your knowledge of God's heart for you and God's desire for you It would change the way you live. It would change the way you think, not just about yourself, but about the Lord as well. But here's the thing, if you keep this in its context, you know, verse number 18 is right here at the end. Here's, Here's Peter's desire, grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But can I say there's also, if you take this chapter number three and you look at all that comes before verse number 18, in essence, he gives you the entire chapter to be an encouragement to grow to be a, a, a desire and a driving force to grow in your Christian life, to grow in grace and the knowledge because so we see three reasons why we should want to grow in the Lord in 2023. This year is our church growing in grace and growing in the knowledge because if we're growing in the Lord and we're growing in grace and the knowledge of the Lord, this morning it's going to keep us from becoming three kind of people. Right, because you can't grow towards the Lord and then also be one of these. In essence, they, 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 they don't go hand in hand. In essence, you can't, you can't enjoy and apply grace in your life and to be thankful for it and be enjoying it and then at the same time you're enjoying it allowing bitterness to grow in your heart. In essence, they don't coincide together. One pushes the other out. And so we see this morning. if we're gonna grow, here's three reasons why we need to grow. One, so we don't become scoffers so we don't become scoffers. Look at verse number three, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last day scoffers walking after their own lust. And we'll see this morning, what, what does that word mean? What does a scoffer mean? Nobody's ever called me a scoffer. Should I be upset or should I say thank you if they call me one of those? Well, it all depends this morning because if they're, they're bringing the truth out, then it's something you need to deal with. But notice, what does a scoffer mean? One who mocks, or makes fun of something. Another dictionary had it in this sense. It says it's one who plays or toys with somebody or something. In essence, you have possession of it. You know what it is, but you could care less of actually doing what you're supposed to do with it. It, 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 To say you're a Christian isn't something to play with or to take lightly. Serious. It's not a political moniker. It's not a a description of my political views. It is not even just uh, who I was born into physically this morning. I am a Christian. Why? Because on April 3rd, 2015, God saved my soul. I'm born again. I've been saved by the grace of God. And therefore, I, I identify myself as a Christian. I identify myself as one of Christ this morning. And that's not to play with. That's something, listen, if if you don't allow yourself to grow in that relationship and grow closer to the Lord, there's only one other direction. There's no such thing as sitting still in the Christian life. There's no such thing as plateauing and saying, all right, that's enough. I don't have to go either other way because if you're not going this way, you're going that way. And so we'll see this morning that why should we grow so we don't become scoffers? Well, what does a scoffer look like, preacher? What does it sound like? You abandon your desire to grow; the results will be very discouraging. One, you begin to question God's power. Verses three through seven it deals with the flood and it deals with God's power and God's might over creation and control over all the things that you and I can't control this morning that He He by His own self controls. You can see the attitude of these scoffers, and and right here in these first few verses, three through seven, because they ask this question: Where is the Lord? Where's His coming at? Can he actually even come? The earth is getting so bad. It's getting so terrible. It's getting so uh, just a oh, complete mess. He probably won't even be able to come back. He can't fix none of this. He can't. Look how bad off we are, not just around, but look where, how bad we off are in America, preacher. Is there any hope for America? Is there any hope for, for our country? Now listen, as a church and as a, as, a, as a congregation of believers, I'm not trying to save America. I'm not trying to save our political system. I'm not called to to, to fix the White House. I am called to preach the gospel. Listen, America doesn't need another stimulus package. America doesn't need a Republican or a Democrat. America needs the gospel. But I also understand this morning, I can't sit back with a clear conscience and say we had it worse than they've ever had in history. We've got it so terrible in America. We've got it worse than any other people in the Bible ever had. I'd beg to do, ask Daniel in Babylon. Ask those three Hebrew boys who said either you bow or you burn. Either you quit praying or you're going to the lion's den. Boy, it ain't like that in America, is it? But that's how it was in Daniel's day. I, I beg you to ask David standing before Goliath. A giant, a warrior, a great soldier, and there's David with the sling saying, If I lose, all of Israel loses with me. But David said, I'm not trusting in my ability. I'm not trusting in even in my, my nation and in my leaders. He said, I'm fighting this battle in the name of the Lord. And can I say, well, well what about the Lord at Calvary? Well, none of us ever had it like that. The last time all of humanity's sin was poured upon you. And yet he finished. <laughs> he was still in control. He gave up the ghost. After he cried, it is finished. And so we have to realize this morning, if we don't grow in that relationship, we'll find ourselves questioning the power. Can God really do anything in 20? Yes, he can. Yes, he's still capable. Yes, he's still on the throne. Yes, he's still almighty. Yes, he can this morning. We'll begin to question God's power. If we don't grow that relationship, we'll become a scoffer. We'll begin to question God's purpose. Let me ask you a question this morning. Verses 8 and 9 kind of deals with it. Do you wish the Lord would come back today? Now, as a born-again believer, as a Bible, want to understand the Bible, yes. Because I know when the Lord comes back, I know where I'm headed. I'm going to heaven. I'm excited about it, looking forward to that. We sing about it in in, in amazing grace. When I've been there, you ever realize how small our mind is? (laughs) Jonathan Newton, a great hymn writer, a great Christian, great man, in his finiteness, said, "When I think of forever, I go to ten thousand years." Well, <laughs> brother Charlie Pennington used to sing millions of years right there, or he used to change it up like that. But I also know in this one—that's that's our mind. What we can't—we can't fathom that. But we begin to question. I, I know where I'm going, and, and yes, I, I am. I, I wish the Lord would come back today because then I'll be able to leave this sinful world. But let me ask you to it this way. Have you done all that you're supposed to do before he returns? Have I been faithful? Have I been faithful to what he's called me to do? Have I told who I'm supposed to tell? Have I warned who I'm supposed to warn? Have I loved and prayed for who I'm supposed to pray for? Have I reached out and done what God has told me to do? It's a sad day when the economy and the political climate calls us to cry for the Lord's return and not the fulfilled obedience of the great, commission. Lord, I've done everything you've told me to do. I've strived, Lord, to do what you've called me to do. Paul said, I've I, I finished my fight. Paul said, I've done everything the Lord told me to do. I, I, I'm ready to be apprehended. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to, to meet the Lord. And over here, we're just crying. Lord, just come get us before the Democrats win again. Come get us before I, I can't afford to buy groceries anymore, Lord. Not Lord, could you, Well, I'm ready for you to come, but can I tell so-and-so first before you do? Can I help them before you come, Lord? Because I know that's what you want me to do. See, when that relationship doesn't grow, you become a scoffer, you begin to question God's purpose. If you think convenience is a requirement of Christian life, never study church history. Listen, what we have here and what we get to enjoy in this country and what we get to enjoy in our church is an anomaly. I, I'd encourage, you want to grow in your relationship with the Lord? Go read about them prior Christians. Go read about those Christians who met in caves because if they walked out, they'd be killed. Go read about our brothers and sisters over in China. Well, preacher, I ain't no brother and sister with no Asian. You need to go read your Bible. Paul said there ain't but one blood. And really, if you're a child of God, we're all part of the same family. Go read about them. We've got to put mattresses over the windows and up on the wall so the sound doesn't get out. And yet they still meet. Go read about those missionaries who went into foreign countries knowing they would not go home. They'd leave their life there. And we get all upset and get all, get all antsy because, well, you know, preacher, the price of gas. Listen, I'm, I don't like paying as much as you do. But here's what I realized last year God provided every penny that I needed. (laughs) He's taking care of us. Amen. The same is here at the church as well. God's provided everything we needed. Playing sports growing up, we had a saying, and it was we went out to play, we went out to go hit, or went out to go pitch, or went out to go play soccer. We say it like that hey, don't go out there and play with it. Don't go go out there and play with it. So, preacher, what does that mean? It means I'll go out there and just go through the motions, give it to you everything. My mama used to say growing up, if your jersey wasn't dirty, you didn't play hard enough. Well, I'd be over there throwing dirt on me <laughs> just, just so I wouldn't get in trouble when I got home. But really, don't play with your relationship with Christ. I don't care what other relationships you have in life. That is your single greatest one, and it needs to grow. Oh, preacher, I think, no, it needs to grow. Notice what he said. He didn't say grow until. Or grow until you, uh, you, you arrive. Or grow to this stance. He said grow in grace and the knowledge. Here's the thing this morning. If we're growing in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and our Savior this morning, and he is, he is beyond comprehension, you will never figure them all out in this lifetime. <laughs> we see this morning, don't become a scoffer. Grow. Has your lack of growth caused you to question God's purpose and power in your life? Notice number two, why should we grow? So we don't become sidetracked. So we don't become sidetracked. The majority of this chapter is about the return of Christ and, and, and not so much the, the uh, itinerary of it. You know, what, what happens here, what happens there, and this happens, and that takes place, and after this, and after that. You can go read the rest of the Bible, find that out. But really, it is about the impact of knowing that one day the Lord's going to come back and how it ought to impact us as believers how it ought to grow and give us that desire to grow our relationship with the Lord. Notice verse number 10, there's an uncertain certainty. <laughs> Look at verse number 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Well, we know the day of the Lord's coming. We know and how it's gonna come as a thief in the night, but we have no idea when it's coming and when it's taking place. Well, preacher, I've been listening to so and so, and they said that they can pinpoint it to a date on the calendar. They're wrong. Absolutely, totally, completely wrong. And if I was the Lord, I'd come the day right before it just to mess them all up. But run, run far away from those who are giving you a date for the Lord's return. Jesus said, but of that day and hour, no man knoweth, or knoweth no man. So why, why wouldn't the Lord give us the date, right? Why didn't the Lord say, all right, April, or I'm about to say my birthday. It'd be a wonderful birthday present. Why did the Lord give us a date and say, all right, this is when I'm coming back. Just want to let you know, because he knows us. He knows us. Yeah, I don't, know, I don't know how you are, but I am inclined to procrastinate. Right, and that's what we'd do. We'd, we'd wait, and we'd wait, and we'd wait, and we'd wait, and we'd say, oh, no, it's, it's tomorrow He's it's coming back. I got to do it all now. You say, well, preacher, that. Well, well, I mean, wouldn't that be a good thing? We'd be able to get it all right? No, because we'd miss out on so much we'd miss out on so much we waited the day before to start trusting and living and, and praying and doing all that kind of stuff. Whereas now we know that he's coming back. We just don't know. We're certain that he is. We're just uncertain when he is. That doesn't make a lot of sense, but it does. <laughs> but that's, that's how we live our life, right? Today could be the day, right? We, we could. You've heard the preacher say, God could come back before he closed out the service, and he could. But what would we do differently if he does? Here's the thing, when our knowledge of these events grow, right, then we know the Lord's going to come back, and we know that as a believer, I'm going to have to stand and give an account to him of the deeds done in my body and what I did with my salvation. That ought not to motivate me to sit still. That ought to motivate me to get about the Father's business, to grow in my relationship with him, to know more about him. And here's the thing, when you allow yourself to grow in the fact that the Lord's coming back today, verse 11 and verse number 14 tells us what that will produce in a holy conversation. Look at verse 11, seeing that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation, in godliness, holy conversation, lifestyle, how you live? Listen, we ought to be living like the Lord's coming back tomorrow, coming back tonight, and if he doesn't come back today, I'm gonna live like he's coming back tomorrow. If he doesn't come back tomorrow, I'm gonna live like he's coming back the next day because that'll produce a holy lifestyle in my life because I know if he comes back now, I'm gonna have to give an account. Produce a holy lifestyle, godliness, and identifiers of God in our life, we always want to say, preacher, pray for me, because I want them to see God in my life, and I do too, and if that's the case, then I'm going to have to behave and live and act like God. I'm not saying that I can go and do miracles in that sense, but I ought to be just, I ought to be honest, I ought to be pure, I ought to, I ought to do those things that we know that only God can do for us. Verse number 14, Well, else? It produces diligence. Look at verse number 14. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things. See, if you're looking for it, you won't, even be, you won't be concerned about a, a time or a date and telling everybody else you know on YouTube, here's when he's coming. Follow me. Like, subscribe, and share. I know when the Lord's coming. Look what he says right there in verse number four. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things. What? The return of the Lord. Here's what, diligence, labor, study, being diligent to it. I know the Lord. I'd like to know as much as I can before I, already, before I learn everything I am going to learn. I want to learn all about it now. Diligent. That you may be found with him, found of him in peace. Oh, What what do you mean, preacher? We know the Lord's coming back. That doesn't produce worry in our life? That doesn't produce stress in our life? Well, if we're growing that relationship, it doesn't. Because we realize the reason why he's coming back for us is because he loves us. And he cares for us. And he's purchased us and he's redeemed us and it gives me a peace. I don't have to live in fear. I, I'm not oblivious to what's going on around me but I'm not overtaken by it. I call it for what it is and I'll say one day I'm gonna leave inflation behind. One day I'm gonna leave the, the corrupt political system behind. One day I'm gonna leave social justice behind. One day I'm gonna leave this whole world behind. But while I'm here, well I need to be living for him and serving him without spot unblemished unresolved issue, Brother Ray sang about it. Well, preacher, a blemish is something that everybody else can see, and sometimes it may be. But see, we've taught ourselves, what do we do with blemishes? Ask any lady, what do you do with a blemish? You put makeup on it, you cover it up. Just because you cover it up actually hasn't dealt with it. Why? Because when you put the water on it, it's right there again. The same is true in our Christian life, right? We have blemishes, right? We're not perfect. There's things we need resolved and worked on, and we can cover them up and pretend like everything's A-OK. You can fool the preacher. You can fool your mom and daddy. You can fool your spouse. You can fool everybody else, but you won't fool God. He'll take the water of the word. He'll wash it, and he'll say, hey, it's still there. It's still there. And if we knew that he was coming, and we lived that way, and we've grown in that relationship saying, it could be today, it'll change what we do with our blemish. We won't cover them up. We'll, We'll deal with them. We'll get them right. We'll get them resolved, repent of them, and move on. Blameless, without indictment. Without indictment. Preacher, I'm bothered by the corruption of a lot of churches. Me too. A lot of of things being done, a lot of things being said that just aren't right. Preacher, why do they do those things? Because they're not living like Jesus is coming. They're living for their flesh. Living for what feels good. And not just in the church, in your own life. We are to live blameless, without indictment. In essence, we are to live as if we were to stand in court and stand before a judge and a jury. They wouldn't be able to find anything on us. We'd live blameless. Here's the thing. When we give up growing in grace and knowledge, we'll become sidetracked, become absorbed with useless information. Useless information. There's a lot of things I learned in my life that I've never used again. I remember having to find the slope-intercept form of a quadratic formula in my algebra class. I've never used it since. And here's the thing this morning. If you and I get sidetracked and we become more focused on any other relationship than ours with Christ, and that becomes our forefront. We're going to have a whole bunch of stuff and it ain't going to be useful. We'll become absorbed with the useless information. We'll become slack concerning our purpose. We won't be ready when we're supposed to be we ready when we're supposed to be. Here's the thing. I've, I've got a one-track mind. And it's a good thing, but it's also a bad thing. Because when I get done with the service today and I, and I think I've got something in my office I need to go get, I'm going to close my Bible, close my notebook, and I'm going to say I've got to get straight to my office. I'm going to walk down that aisle. I'm going to walk by six people that are probably wouldn't to talk to me, shake my hand, but my mind says I've got to get to my office. I've got to get what I've got to get. Then I'll come back in oh, preacher just walked by me. Hey, I, I can't believe that. It's because whatever in my office I need to grab is what's consuming my mind. And so it's a good thing, right, because when it comes to studying and things like that, I, it's, it's all in. I'm, I'm all in, right? I, anything I, I do in life, you can ask my wife, if it's, if, I, if it's something new and I get interested in it, I am all in, right? Disc golf, <laughs> it, I, I just got all in. I'm watching it on YouTube. I'm, I'm learning how to throw farther. I'm going to the course, and it, I just got all that's just how my mind works. And it's a good thing when it's applied in the right place. But when I become sidetracked, well, I'll find myself in a rabbit hole that I never wanted to be in. Consumed with it and not any benefit from it. Let me ask you what are you more interested in, knowing your identity in Christ or our latest political headline? We need to grow our relationships so we don't become sidetracked. We need to grow in our relationship so we don't become scoffers. Then notice number three this morning, we'll pray. We need, to, we need to grow our relationship. We need to grow so we don't lose our steadfastness. Verse number 15. I was in account that was the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation even as our beloved brother Paul also according to the wisdom giveth unto him which hath written unto you. You go down to verse number 17. Where Ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things, beware excuse me, before, beware also lest ye, beware, excuse me, beware lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own salvation. It's not what it says. Fall from your own predicaments. It's not what it says. Fall from your own steadfastness. Preach what a steadfastness means. It means to stand firm, to stand there. Preacher, how, how, do we, how do we come to know these things that keep us from, from falling from our stead by growing in grace and knowledge? And as we grow, we will realize there's two aids that help us remain steadfast. One, the, stead- the, the long-suffering of the Lord in verse number 15. Well, how many glad he's patient with us? Man, I'm glad he's patient with us. See, here's the thing. We, we're gonna go out here and say, all right, preacher, I'm gonna grow. Preacher, you just watch. Before the end of it, there's gonna be fruit hanging off my tree. Just watch, Preacher. You're going to wake up tomorrow and forget all about it. You're going to get busy and say, oh, I forgot to read my Bible. I forgot to pray. I forgot to grow in my relationship with the Lord. I'm just going to give up. Nah, it ain't worth it. I, I failed too bad. I, I've messed up again. The Lord, no, he's not. He's long-suffering. He's patient with you, preacher. What's the best thing I can do if if, if, if I if I if my Bible reading slack, if my prayer is slack, if my my service is slack, preacher? What's the best thing I can do? Start again. Start again. I guarantee you. You said, preacher, I, I've messed up. I, I I slacked off again. I I'm wavering, preacher. What I do? Go back to him. Go back to the book. Pray again. Read again. Study again. Uh, serve again. Do all those things again. Why? The Lord is long. Suffering. Just think about it. He was willing to wait how many years to save you? To give you an opportunity to be saved by the grace of God? He very well could have wrapped the whole thing up after Jesus came out of the grave. That's right. That's it. We're done. He said, but no, there's people down in 2023 that are willing to and will get saved by the grace of God. Long-suffering. If he's long-suffering with sinners, he'll be long-suffering with the saints, Amen. He'll deal with us in patience. We should be patient with him because he's patient, because he is always right. He's patient with us even when we're wrong. So we ought to be patient with him even when he's right. When you wait upon him, the end is always the same. Salvation. I'm not saying he's getting saved again. It talks about in verse. In the counter of this long-suring is salvation. I'm saying you wait on him. You trust in his timing. The end's always right. He'll always do what is necessary and needed in your life. How do, we keep, how do we keep from losing our steadfastness? Rely on the long-suffering of the Lord. Verse 15 and 16, our rest is in the scriptures. See, the human mind has a lot. There's things we you and I can't fully comprehend. And I'm not just talking about the Lord. There's a whole lot of stuff in this world I don't comprehend. It just don't make sense to me. It just don't click with me. But here it is. The danger is, is with the things that we don't comprehend, we don't fully understand. The danger is we, we lessen them to make them understandable. Right now, we use the King James Bible here, right? I believe it's God's word for the English-speaking people. I think it's perfectly, right now I'm reading a book on the men who wrote it, and I'm excited to get into that. But I believe God, through divine power and divine inspiration, interpretation, all that wonderful stuff, preserved his word for you and I this morning. You don't have to dumb this down to make it understood. You just gotta be spiritual, or willing to be spiritual. I'm right, willing to say, Lord, teach me. Lord, help me. Lord, help me to understand these things. That's why I got a problem with all those other versions. Preach, I don't understand the these and the thous. Those don't change. I still don't understand Bible names. They keep those the same in any version you got. They will not change uh, Nebuchadnezzar to Billy. They're just not going to do it. Right? I, I still struggle with pronouncing those. But here's the thing, it'd be one thing if they were making it more understandable, they're taking out doctrine, removing the blood. They're giving the names ascribed to Christ, to Satan. It's a mess, right? But our rest is in the scripture. And here's the thing we see right here in verse number 16, he talks about these things. He said, also in all his epistles, speaking to them of these things in which are some things hard to be understood. Now, there's parts in your Bible you'll read and you'll say, Lord, I just don't get that. Well, I can't fully not let alone explain it, try to tell somebody else about it. Right? Try to explain the Trinity to somebody. And 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 not sound like you've you just made a mess of it. Right? Because our minds don't understand how God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, they are they are three and yet they're one and, and, and we but we know it to be true. Here here's the thing this one, there's only parts that you're not gonna understand. But the danger is, you say, well, because I don't understand it, it must be wrong. It must not be right. That's what he was saying there in verse number 6, how they wrestle with it. They're unstable. They're unlearned. Instead of allowing to say, you know what, God may just be bigger than me. And he may just be smarter than me, so I'm going to take his word, even though I can't understand it, I'm willing to stand under it and allow and stand on it and believe it instead of saying, well, if if it don't make sense, it must be wrong. No, you're wrong. It's right. And so we have to understand this morning, if we're going to be steadfast, our rest is in the scriptures and not our, identi- and not our, our, our intellect or anything like that. It's in, the, it's in the scriptures this morning. Don't wrestle with it, rest in it. Let me ask you this morning, will you be a Christian whose lack of growth produces doubt or will you be one whose pursuit of growth strengthens your steadfastness? Church, my heart for all of you this morning for myself this morning is to grow. In this next year. I'm not talking about physically. That's done over with. I'm not, t- I'm not growing any taller. I might grow a little wider. But I'm not growing any taller. But I want to grow in grace. Boy, I, I, listen, what I understand about grace, I sure do appreciate. And I'm very thankful for. But I don't think I've even scratched the surface. Me and Ms. Baker were talking about it yesterday. About some great men of God that we know. It, it was off of Brother Ron's testimony Wednesday night. He said, I feel like I'm just learning. Been saved for over 60 years, right, Brother Ron? 69. 69 years. He said, I feel like I'm just learning. Remember Brother Ed Maccabee coming, Dr. Ed become coming, great man of God. And he was in his 80s, pre, had been preached in his whole life. And he made a statement. He said, I feel like I'm just now in kindergarten. And I said, me and Ms. Baker said, we thought about that. I said, no way. No way can you be of that caliber and be of that, that, that understanding and say you're just in kindergarten. But the longer I live, the longer I serve, the longer I study, I realize, boy, I don't know much I thought I did. And here's the thing, God's not like, well, duh. Let me keep it from you. He said, I know. That's why I told you to grow with me so I can reveal more of myself to you. Church, I want to grow in 20, I want to grow in grace. I want to grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's all stand this morning, every head bowed, every eye closed.